Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Why financial literacy? Why are we talking about this? Apart from the fact that Peter... Uh, so many people wanted to hear you again after the last couple that we've done that, well, we realised the need that there is. And when we talk about financial literacy, um, I heard during the week, uh, no, week before last, about a survey recently done around the world where they asked people some very simple questions about simple interest, about interest versus inflation, about risk when it comes to investments, And only 30% of people worldwide in Western countries, in educated environments, were able to answer those really simple questions well. And and that's not to kind of say, well, to mock at that, but to realise that for most of us, we didn't learn it at school, unless you did economics somewhere or other in your studies. And we most likely didn't learn it at home. And so we're having this financial literacy session. Why? Because we want to equip you to become what I was talking about before, and that's to be a blessing. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says this, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Basically, the Scripture is saying that every believer needs to be a good steward of their finance so that they'll have enough to be able to give to others. So... Let's get right into this, Pete. Top of the pops in Australia right now, and I know there are people watching in other parts of the world, but in Australia, our government announced a week before last that they're going to give more money to lots more people to build houses, renovate. It looks too good to be true. I suspect you're going to tell us it might be. So over to you. Say, have you noticed this is good cop, bad cop? I tell you the good news, he gives you the other bit. Away you go, Peter. First of all, got to give you the old disclaimer. Oh, thank you. Ignore everything I say. Go and see your own mortgage professional or uh, financial planner to get advice for your own particular circumstances. So what I'm talking about tonight will be in generalities. And also, when Jeff talked about you know people not necessarily being financially literate, um, literate, we all have our own strengths and weaknesses. And, for example... I thought it was a pretty basic sort of concept. I had some people come to see me once and they couldn't get ahead of their credit card. And I suspect there's many people out there. And so, again, this isn't a mocking statement. It's just to show you that um, we've all got our own strengths and weaknesses. And they said, oh, we we just don't seem to be able to make any headway on this credit card. So they showed me their statement. Yep, I see the problem. Oh, beauty, what is it? I said, well, you've paid $1,000 off that credit card, so that's awesome. But you've spent $3,000. And they also said, there's your problem. And they said, so why aren't we paying the credit card down? What, how, we paid $1,000 in. And I said, but you spent 3000 Yeah, but we paid 1000 in. Anyway, I won't bore you with the details. The conversation went on for three hours before the penny finally dropped. But, you know, we've all got our strengths and weaknesses. I'm not a tradesman. I can't bang a nail in straight. But one day I was in the um, Bank Johnny's quarters down at Bunbury, had to change a light bulb, and it's one of those oyster... Um, 
light shades. And it had a screw thing in the middle, and I thought, that must be it. And I was sort of trying to get this thing to move. It wouldn't move. So, oh, maybe you have to move the light fitting itself around. So I'm moving the light fitting around, and after about 10 minutes, it finally uh, gave way. And that was good, except it had a live wire hanging out of the ceiling, and it ended up costing me 350 bucks to uh, change the light bulb because I had to get a sparky out. <laughs> so we've all got our own strengths and weaknesses, so don't take it to heart if you're th feeling a bit dumb out there. And if you're sending in your text, no such thing as a dumb question, just ask away. So, the government grants. So there's three government grants. Um, up until two weeks ago, there was just the first homeowner's grant, and that was $10,000 for a person who had never owned or occupied a property before. And there's two parts to that grant. One is that up to a purchase price of $430,000, you pay no stamp duty, so that saves you potentially about $14,500. And if you were buying a brand new property that had never been lived in, so that might be a townhouse triplex development, might be off the plan apartment, or you're buying a block and building, then you qualify for an upfront grant. And when you apply for the loan, that grant gets um, lodged by the bank to the State Revenue Department, it gets approved, and the State Revenue Department pays that $10,000 to the bank at the time of the first progress draw. So the bank's controlling the funds. And the people who qualify for that are obviously Australian residents, citizens, a permanent um, resident of Australia, and we even like our Kiwi brothers as well, they qualify. So that's the first grant. Second grant, the WA government two weeks ago announced a grant, and you can be living and working on Mars, you can be a Martian, you still qualify. It can be for owner-occupier purposes, it can be for investment purposes, um, it's not means-tested, so you, you can be um, building a $2 million house and you apply for the grant, you get it. You can be earning half a million dollars a year, you still get it. They just want to get activity out into the, work, out in the workplace and just get the state moving. Um, and that's $20,000. Uh, the federal government grant is $25,000. And that's for you to either build, um, and the house and land package can be no more than $750,000, or to complete renovations of a minimum of $150,000 up to $750,000, and if you're doing renovations, the current value of your property can't exceed $1.5 million. It's also means-tested, so if you're single and you're earning more than $125,000, eh, you don't qualify, or if you're a couple earning a combined income of $200,000, eh, you don't qualify. There's also some distinctions in terms of residency. You must be an Australian citizen. So unlike the first homeowners grant, if you've got permanent residency, you don't qualify, and unfortunately our Kiwi brothers don't qualify either. Um, also, the, owner, the um, federal grant must be for owner occupation only, it can't be for investment, whereas the WA scheme, it can be for investment. So, so far, so good. So if you're a first home buyer and you're building, potentially you can get up to $55,000 in grants. So that's $10,000 for the first homeowner's grant. There's the additional WA scheme of $20,000. There's $25,000 from the federal government and potentially you can also get stamp duty savings of $14,000. So that's $69,000 in upfront grants, which sounds really good. So, so far, so good. Bad news. It's not a panacea for your savings ill. So I was sort of shaking my head a little bit when I read in last weekend's papers about people were sleeping out to buy blocks and, and the builders are rushing to buy blocks to sell house and land packages, etc. And I suspect quite a few of those people thinking, well, the $55,000 takes care of my savings ills, but unfortunately it doesn't. And the reason it doesn't is because the bank won't approve the finance or they won't include those grants. And the reason they won't include those grants is because 
A, you can't approve for those grants until the slab is laid on your property. And the reason for that is under the state government scheme, you've got six months from the date you sign your contract to commence the build, which and they regard commencing the build as laying the pad. And in the case of the federal government, you've only got three months and you're going to be lucky to get a council approval in three months, let alone start. But anyway, so that being the case, the bank won't count those monies because they don't know if the grant's going to be approved or not. So that's the first thing. Second thing, and even worse, is the fact that, so the pad's laid, you apply for the grant, the government then pays the money to you. So if you've got potentially, I don't know, you've got a drug problem or you're feeling lucky on black and the roulette wheel at the casino, you've got $45,000, happy days, money's gone. So the bank won't approve it because they don't know if it's going to be approved. They don't get to control the monies because they're paid direct to the client. Can I just jump in and ask, because we're about a week and a half into this, have people, or well, they can't have got it approved yet because it takes a bit longer than that. They haven't even designed the application form yet, so no, <laughs> people haven't approved yet. Oh, really? They're still, it's a, it's a sort of a joint thing between, so the federal government announced their scheme and it's being, uh, they're being, administered by the state revenue departments and there's still a lot of gaps to be filled in. I thought this, this issue would actually have been resolved by now but I don't think it's going to be because um, as recently as well. Thursday we received a letter from um, Keystart who administer all the, the finance of first home buyers etc and they've come out categorically saying we can't help anyone with those grants because we can't count it as part of their application. But if somebody has done what people normally would do, which is they've saved up a deposit, as difficult as that may be, but they've done that and they've got that there. For those people, this could be a gigantic windfall. So we're not mm. throwing it all out and saying, look, it's all useless or no, the no, government no. made it up or whatever. We're going, no, it has got a good purpose to get the building industry up and going, but there's, it's not going to be as easy to access as what a lot of us thought when it was first announced. No, I think, I think basically it'll help people who already had building contracts or plans to build or renovate okay. in the first place, or those who have already got a, a sufficient deposit and don't really um, need or are reliant on the grant, they'll be okay, and then, but they just get this grant as a windfall cash payment and help them to reduce their mortgage. I know that you've been a big fan always of people building consistent saving plans and building that regardless. So it's not just hoping for a special moment or something great just to occur but really building that do you want to just chat about that for a minute and about there's never any time like now ever to start saving i think anybody that's been alive for a while goes if only i'd bought that back then hmm. if only i'd saved that back then and maybe took some of the money we live in a time right now where it's very much more about spend it now enjoy it now don't worry about tomorrow Tell us what you think. So it's a bit like tithing, really. You know, where where um, uh, you know God tells us that you know we need to give Him the first fruits, ten percent. But then with your savings, you should also really be taking ten percent out of your salary and putting it into like a rainy day account, not your everyday account where the money can burn a hole in your pocket, but in a separate account. So it's still maybe accessible, but if you go to move it, you actually have to take an extra step. And then you're thinking, ah, oh, do I really need this dress, or do I really want to go out with my mates? 
mm, no, I'll leave it. And so you've sort of got like a check there. And if you're a consistent saver, and we'll talk about this later on, then you get compound interest where you're earning interest and then you're earning interest on your interest. And before you know it, and um, it's a bit like a snowball rolling down the hill where it gets bigger and bigger and faster and faster. Initially, it takes you a while to build that momentum. But once you're off and racing with a, a steady savings program, um, it can make a big difference. And from a bank perspective, if you're a regular saver and you can demonstrate a, um, a regular savings pattern, then they'll be far more amenable to giving you a loan. Whereas you go to them, you haven't saved a cracker and say, even if mum and dad have given you a gift or something like that, they say, well, you haven't saved a cracker. What makes you think you can suddenly afford to pay back a mortgage? So the bank looks at that as a regular pattern of behaviour and those sorts of things. And these days, since the Royal Commission, they'll ask if your bank statement's going back at least, say, three months, and they'll literally go through line by line and examine every single thing you spend your money on. And if it's a doctor, they'll Google that doctor to see what kind of doctor you went to. Might be a gynaecologist, oh, are they going to have kids? Or um, this, this, is a, this is real life things that we've had where they've put back on us. Oh, the valuer went through and we saw photos of kids on the, um, on the, uh, the fridge and they said they've got no kids. And said, well, yeah, they're world vision kids? Oh, okay. So they're really drilling right down wow. to check your expenditure, your savings history. And um, yeah, just make sure you're going to be a safe bet for them lending you money. I think the message for everybody is start doing whatever you can to build for that. We're going to talk a little bit later about borrowing because I know some people go, well, should we even be doing that? But you mentioned compound interest. Maybe now's the good time to talk about that while we're talking about saving and about the impact of that. Give us a bit of a window because it's confusing to a lot of people, mm. really. Do you want to just touch on what that is? And so compound interest is important in the current environment because we have people applying for a deferral of their loan payments over potentially six months with the bank. And so a lot of people have misunderstood saying, it's, thinking it's interest-free, but it's not. It just means you're not paying the loan payments, but you're still getting charged interest on those arrears. So for example, if you're, in simple terms, if your payment was $1,000 and the interest rate was um, 10%, well, then that's $100. So now you've got $1,000 plus the interest has gone onto your loan. The following month, so that's $1,100. The following month at 10%, that's $110. So now instead of paying $100 interest, you paid $110 the next month. And then the next month, you'd be paying uh, interest on $1,210. So on that $210 of interest and so on. So each month, you're paying progressively more and more interest and each month it gets more and more expensive. And again, Compound interest is a very um, powerful tool because it seems like a, a nominal amount initially, but it can build up really, really fast, whether you're saving or whether you're falling into arrears on your loan. How does it work with saving, Peter? So, again, a lot of times I've spoken to people who go, well, what would this matter? You know, I save 20 bucks a week, say, or $50 a week. You know, what good would that really do? It's such a small amount. But compound interest can make small amounts over a longer period of time uh, just absolutely become huge. Oh, that's right. I mean, and ING Bank, for example, I've got a, a nifty little feature called Everyday Roundup. So you can round up to, if you spend on your credit card or on your debit card, you, there's a feature where you can tick saying, round it up to the nearest dollar or round it up to the nearest $5. So if you only spend a dollar and you've ticked round it up to the nearest five, that $4 will go straight into your home loan. It's sort of like... Gold, electronic gold coin change that you don't even notice, but it just pays off your loan. And so I always suggest to clients, look, any windfall payments you get, so if your boss gives you a pay rise, pay that extra amount 
um, into your home loan. If you get a bonus, pay it into your home loan. If you get a tax refund, pay it into your home loan. If you get money given to as a gift for your birthday, pay it into your home loan or pay it into that rainy day savings account you've got because, again, the compound interest will work in your favour. Wow. It's a big thing. And we're going to talk about super in a tick and I'll, I'll give you a, a real-life example as to how compound interest can really work. While we're on it, go right to super. Here it goes. Okey doke. So, again, in the current environment, and if you're thinking about this, you've only got about a week to go, um, you can potentially take out $10,000 in this financial year. So the financial year runs out on the 30th of June, and that's to tide you over because you might have lost your job, got reduced hours, and you're finding um, things pretty tough. So potentially you could take $10,000 out now, and then 1st of July you could take another $10,000 out. Now, of the people who have accessed this so far, and I think it's up to $15, $18 billion has been taken out, and 40% of those people had unchanged circumstances. That is, they didn't have their hours reduced, they didn't lose their job, uh, they weren't in any stress, but they just thought it'd be a good idea just for some extra rainy day money. And in some cases, you wonder how much extra you need. I mean, I had a client who phoned me up and they had several hundred thousand dollars in the bank and they thought they should apply for a um, coronavirus waiver of their loan payments. And I said, why would you want to do that? You've got 350,000 in the bank. Oh, just for some flexibility. And I said, well, how much flexibility do you need? But they went ahead and did it anyway, go figure. So they're paying compound interest on, that, on those arrears, so I don't know. Anyway, so 40% had unchanged circumstances and then they measured uh, the expenditure levels in the fortnight after they, they received their $10,000. 14% went on paying debt, so that's good. 22% went on essentials like buying groceries. But then here's the kicker, 64% went on discretionary. And out of that discretionary, right behind paying back debt, Anyone got any ideas what the second biggest category was? I was floored by this, I have to say. Gambling. Gambling. So they took potentially 10,000, they might take another 10,000 to make up for the losses on the first 10,000, 10,000 in two weeks' time, and that's $20,000. So here's how compound interest can affect you. And particularly when you're young, you think, oh, 10,000 now, you know, I need it for a house or for a deposit. But they can have big, big... Um, consequences. So there's what's called a rule of 22. So assume you get 8% per annum interest on that $10,000. And on the rule of 72, at 8%, you divide 8 into 72 and you get 9. So what that means is every nine years, that $10,000 would double at 8%. So if you're 25 years old, at um, 34, that's doubled to $40,000. At 43, it's $80,000. At 52, it's 160,000. At 61, it's 320. And the actual retirement age at the moment is 70. So at 70, that $20,000 would then be worth $640,000. Now, by the time you're 70, there's not going to be any, for most of the people in this room, can there's not going just, to be a pension. Can you just go through those figures again? Because I'm not sure we all, you started with 20,000 mm -hmm. at 8%, which is not entirely unrealistic. I, so, I, and tell in us nine, again. So in nine years, um, that would double. So in nine years, you're 25, yeah. you leave it in super at 8% in nine years. So at 34, that's worth 40,000. Another nine years, you're 43. So now it's doubled again to 80,000. At another nine years, you're 52. So now that's 160,000. Another nine years, you're 61. That's $320,000. And then you retire at 70. It's doubled again, that's 640,000. And it all started with 20,000? 20, 20,000. 
That is incredible. What an amazing thing. Uh, compound interest like that just is phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. And the same way if you, you know, get some lump sums, pay your bonuses and tax returns and stuff into your home loan, potentially it can save you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. Again, thanks to compound interest. It sounds to me, Peter, like a lot of your life is explaining to people some really basic things that we all ought to have known. Why don't we teach this in schools? I have no idea. I mean, I did when I was... Not, not to be rude to teachers or principals. When I, I was just... in high school hundreds of years ago, we did actually, there was a, I think it might have been half or a one-hour session a week called consumer credit. I can't oh, even right. remember what we discussed, to be honest. Oh. But, I mean, the biggest challenge for a lot of people these days is just doing a budget. Oh. And it's amazing how many people don't do a budget. Um, but there's some, some excellent um, websites that um, do. We have a link um, on our website, but you can go to the, the federal government website and um, they have an awesome budget planner there. Right. Or just go to gonfinance.com.au and there's a link to it. Just click on that and it's easy to find. Um, and it's a really, really just guides you through. And having a budget is a really good thing to do because, as I might have mentioned last time, um, money really does in this tap-and-go era, burn a hole in your pocket. I think right. I might have mentioned about me buying my lunch on the first day and it was about 20, the lunch and the coffee was about $25 a week. Now, that's $125 a week. Put that $125 a week into a home loan and you'll probably knock about 10 years off your home loan and save eighty, ninety, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 or something. I think you're just going to be taking Vegemite sandwiches to work from now on, courtesy of your lovely wife. My Vegemite soup, actually. Two, <laughs> two tablespoons of Vegemite in the hot water. Beautiful. <laughs> Well, that's taken a little bit far, but can we just chat just briefly about borrowing? Because I know you've encountered this, and I have as a pastor people going, but pastor, you know, I don't think I should borrow money. You know, isn't it against the Bible to borrow money? Have you had people ask you those kind of questions? I have, I, actually, I did. Early in my broking career, some people were quoting me a, a, um, a verse out of Numbers and said, so, you know, the Bible says... Uh, it's, it's wrong to borrow money, and in which case I was sort of there thinking, it was about 10 o'clock at night thinking, so why am I here? But they ended up borrowing money anyway. But um, I think, yeah, there's nothing wrong with borrowing money, but we, we always say to clients, look, it's all very well, the bank will lend you like that much over there, but over there you'll have a wonderful house, but you'll probably have a miserable life. You won't be able to afford to go on holidays. If your mates invite you out, guess what? You're not going. So, and over here, I literally quote, you'll be having Vegemite soup every, every night. Yeah. And I don't know if anyone had. I, I actually had Vegemite soup growing up, so that's not. That's the. Where's that's the a, violin that's when a badge you did of, it? That's huh? a badge of honour. But anyway, so we had Vegemite soup growing up. So say over there, you have Vegemite soup. So rather than borrowing over here, I don't want to see you on a current affair the first time a rate goes up. And that Peter Gom, he lent us that money, and we couldn't <laughs> afford it. In which case, I'm saying, so why did you ask me in the first place? But we say, so don't borrow over there. Come back here. And now, with the interest rates at all time lows, I'm saying, so forget that. Even come back here because. The, the long-term average rate in Australia is about 7 to 7.5%. So at the moment, you can get fixed rates down as low as about 2.2%, 2.1%. But you, um, the banks work on about 2.5% above the interest rate you're borrowing at. So the average assessment rate, the bank will work out, look at 5.5%, could you afford it? If the answer is yes, they'll give you the loan. You, you know, you speak a different language to most people. Do you know that? Is that right? <laughs> as in, you, you go off those figures like that, sometimes and I'm going... Hold a second now. I need a little bit of a moment to process some of that. And that, I think, is where a lot of the stumbling blocks are, the snares are. That's how we started off all these sessions, speaking about money snares. Because for a lot of people, we haven't... You know, it would be silly for me, wouldn't it, to go and pick up a, a, a language book on 
say French, for instance, and just go, that's it. I'm just going to have, I'm going to go on Duolingo and I'm going to have one session on French uh, and I'm going to be fluent in it. And yet the reality is that financial language actually is a language. And all of us uh, really would do a big uh, service to ourselves if we would go and begin to learn. Some, I just know, Peter, that some of what you're saying, some of the folks that are in this service are going to be going, what? And they're going to need to go back and many of them are going to need to go and search out some of this. Are there places where people can learn some of this language that you speak so fluently? You remind me of some of the tech guys in this church. who They're talking about stuff and I'm just going, hold on, you lost me back there at the. Uh, I'm not being silly here. I just think we take for granted that people understand this stuff. And I'm not sure that we always do. Mm. Uh, people like you do, you speak a language of this. So tell us how we can learn some more about this and skill ourselves up uh, rather than just going to Peter Gom and just going, I, I don't know, I haven't got a clue. Well, we, first of all, if someone comes to see us, we don't let them out of the office until they understand. So if I, can, wow. if I see their eyes glazing over, again, I reinforce, look, there's no such thing as a dumb question. I literally draw little stick insect diagrams so that they can understand it. And, and I try to talk slowly. But again, I ask them, so you know, when, when you come back, I'm going to test you. And if you get the answer wrong, well, you don't get the loan. So they, they make sure they write down any questions. When they come back, we answer those questions and we go through it all again. And most of the time they say, oh, thank you. That's so easy. Because um, we went to the bank and they were speaking in jargon and we didn't understand. It's true. I'm obviously speaking in a million miles an hour tonight, but we're on limited time, so I'm trying to cram in as much as we can. I get that, and that wasn't an insult. That's a no. compliment to you that you're so fluent in this, and I just know what it's like to, in my earlier days, I would sit in board meetings and things and go, I have no idea what they're talking about. So I actually went and engaged a <clears throat> quite a, a, a significant accountant and said, I want you to teach me. Mm. And I went every couple of weeks or so and said, teach me how to do this stuff. And, and what I want everybody to get out of this is no matter who you are, you can learn this. You can become fluent in this. You don't have to always be wondering how do I make sense of this. Let me come to a couple of questions here, Peter, because uh, someone's asked this question, where's the best place to invest in at the moment? I think what they mean is outside of the kingdom of God, um, but I'll let you answer that question. So I'm well not a financial planner, but the things I would say to Lord, there's the key things I would say in investing, one is diversification is very important, so don't put all your eggs in one basket. You might maximise your returns, but you can also maximise your losses in doing that. First of, and secondly, um, don't invest money that you can't afford to lose. That's a good point. And th thirdly, don't invest in something that you don't understand. And there's so many people who just invest and someone told them it would be a good idea. Oh, okay, so they stuck their money in. So what is it? I don't know. But someone, my mate at the photocopier told me it would be a good idea. I said, well, it might have been good for him, but not good for you. So they're the three key, key things, really. The hot tips, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the moment, you know, shares are all over. It's pretty hard because shares are all over the place. I mean, they've, they dropped by about 38%. And now they've made up probably 75 or 80% of those losses. Um, but you know, I always say, same with borrowing as in investing, peace of mind is very important. So if you're going to be lying awake at, at night 
saying, oh, Lord, please don't let me lose that money, or Lord, please don't let interest rates go up because it's going to kill me, then I always say to the clients, don't borrow that much. Just come back to here because peace of mind is really important. I want you to have a good life and I don't want you to be stressed out of your brain. So, so that's, that's the other thing I would say. But, yeah, it's pretty hard at the moment because interest rates are pretty much zero. Um, there's not much a good rate of return in, in property. And so shares seems to be where the action is. There's a lot of retail investors or people who have never previously invested in the stock market have got in there, but I sort of have a big concerns about that. Here's a, another question. What's the easiest way to compare and make sure you're with the best super fund? Uh, well, you can go to, again, you can go to, there's a um, website I might have mentioned last time called ratecity.com.au, and that has, <clears throat> pardon me, all the interest rates on term deposits, um, savings accounts, home loans, super funds, and gives you all the rates of return. But um, as they say, past returns are no guarantee as to what the super fund's going to earn in the future. They like to tell you that, yeah. Mm. So... Again, and it also depends on your um, risk aversity, whether you're prepared to go into you know, 100% into shares or you want to be in cash or, and also on your age as well. Because if you're younger and you incur some losses, you've got a lot longer to, um, uh, to make up for those losses. Whereas if you're 60 or something, then you wouldn't be in a high risk um, super fund, for example. You'd want to be sort of uh, trying to de- um, deleverage the risk at that stage of your life. We're running out of time here and uh, all this is so fascinating. I hope that Everyone that's a part of this service will go out of here going, okay, I can learn some of this stuff. If it sounds like gobbledygook, then go back and listen to it again. That's why we leave all the, our messages up on YouTube. Uh, they're there for forever uh, because we really want people to be able to go, I missed that bit. I want to go back and learn that again. But I've got another question for you as we start to wrap this up, Peter. In the midst of all of this, some of the most significant miracles Jesus ever did were miracles of provision. Have you seen for your clients, for yourself and Lynette, have you seen God do those kinds of miracles? Because it's not just about learning the market or, you know, studying that stuff. For a believer, there's always going to be a part of us that goes, God, will you lead me? Will you show me? Will you help me? And there may be some I'm going to get you to pray in a minute for people that maybe have made some poor choices and find themselves now in really tight spots. And I'm going to ask you to pray for them that God will help them uh, with that. So tell us about your experience of that. Uh, Well, yeah, I think our whole married life's been a miracle really because I think I mentioned this at the first first session we did that um, pretty much straight after we were married we decided to you know, we were really going to be hard and fast about our tithing regime. And so we've quickly learned, A, you can't outgive God. Second, he's a contrarian investor. He, you know, he confounds the wise. And I remember one time we were down at Albany and we were at the um, checkout and there's a lady in front of me and she was going to pay for her groceries and I got this sort of urging from the Holy Spirit, pay for her. I was like, really? <laughs> pay for her? I was like, oh, okay. So... I just sort of stepped in and said, I'll pay for this. And the lady, it's sort of like that episode of Seinfeld, we're arguing over the marble rye. And she's, no, I'll pay for it. And I said, it's okay, lady, I've got it. And then in the end, I had to get Lynette in to sort of mediate because I think she thought it was some catch and I was going to you know, knock her on the head in the car park or something. And I was like, come on, just let me pay. You're robbing me from my, uh, my blessing. Anyway, I, she let me pay and then she sort of just went out and then I think she did a bunk when she got out the, front, out the door. <laughs> But um, so just things like that, and you, you've got no idea where it's going to lead or whatever. But it just in 
in getting those sort of unctions from the Holy Spirit, we've just, yeah, he confounds the wise and people look at us and I, I think maybe quite a few people who know us and maybe haven't known us for more than 20 years have thought, I must have been born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Mm -hmm. But as I said, I grew up having Vegemite soup, so mm -hmm. it wasn't all um, beer and Skittles. But in doing that, in stepping out in faith, um, I think that's been the biggest change to our life and that has revolutionised our life, to be honest. And we've made some mistakes, you know, we've bought properties and lost a truckload on them, so we're not immune from them. I'm not, you know, even yeah. expert, I'm not an expert, but, you know, people involved in finance or stockbrokers have bought dud shares and so it happens to the best of us, but... Um, but yeah, that's literally has revolutionised our life. It's a great thing to trust God, though, isn't it, in those difficult times. You know, I've, I know for me there's been some times where I've felt like the Lord prompted me to give. Or I remember getting a tip about some, some, uh, something to invest in. I felt like the Lord said, no. And other friends of mine didn't have paid off. And you look at it and go, what's that about? But I've learned the whole way. Life goes a long time and the journey of trusting God always pays the greatest benefits at the, towards the end. Mm -hmm. Can I get you to pray, Peter, if you would, just for people that are, and I'm sure there'll be many of them, people going, look, my business is in, the, in a difficult spot right now, as quite a number are, or my job's a bit insecure, or I'm concerned about this investment, or I've done this, or maybe they're just saying you know, you've given me a starting point with a budget because we don't have any of that happening. And we really want to ask God to help every one of those people. So over to you, let's pray. Father, we just uh, thank you for the opportunity to minister to our congregation. We pray, Father, that you just fill them with um, your love, your peace. Um, we thank you, uh, Father, that um, you always cause us to triumph. And no matter how adverse the circumstances, there's always a way out. Your light causes the darkness to flee. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're walking with us. And you, um, we thank you that the fiery darts that are sent to us, I sort of treat those as a badge of honour, Lord. And I pray that each and every person here would, would um, treat them as a badge of honour because if the devil's not sending any fiery darts at you, then you're not a threat. You're obviously not doing much in the kingdom. So um, we thank you for that. But your word says um, that uh, no weapon formed against us will prosper. So even though the fiery darts might come... We know we have the victory. So, Father, we pray for victory over reduced hours, over um, difficult business circumstances, over budgetary constraints or financial difficulties, employment difficulties. We thank you, Father, that each and every one of those pe people in those circumstances will just keep their eye on the prize and know that you've got it all sussed and um, to you the glory. And We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Peter. And every time, yeah, stay with us a minute. But, you know, every time I talk to you, I feel like I've barely scratched the surface and yet that's uh, a considerable amount of time. So thank you so much again. And uh, I know the details of how to reach you. You've mentioned them before, GOM Finance. GOMFinance.com.au. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, it's your advice is free for people i know that's just great um here's another thing that's free uh hard to believe in this day and age there's a verse in john's gospel chapter 10 and verse 10 that i love i think it was one of the first verses i ever learned uh, when i became a christian i didn't know it really before but it's the words of jesus and he says this he said i have come that they speaking about all of us that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly 
I don't know about you, I grew up in an environment where really God was, I, mistakenly, obviously it wasn't what I learned from my family. I don't know where I got it from, but it was just the kind of thought that maybe God was a bit stingy or tired or, or against me having fun or whatever else. Then I read that verse, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus didn't come to shrink your life, He came to enlarge it. He didn't come to take away joy. He actually said, I've come that your joy might be full. And so I'm really for many years now have wanted to say to every person in Australia, but then as I've travelled overseas, Peter, I've found people in Egypt, in India, in the UK, in Europe and all through Asia. Matter of fact, everywhere I've gone through, all the islands of the Pacific, I've discovered that the same cry comes out of people's hearts and that cry of going, I know there's more than what I've experienced. I know there's more to life than this. There's more to life. I've spoken with people that are multi, multi-millionaires and yet their life was empty. I've spoken to people that were desperately poor with the same emptiness. Why? Because we're made to know God. That's why in this church we came up a couple of years ago with this thing called Yes Text. Because we wanted to make it so easy for you anonymously to be able to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. You simply text yes if you're in Australia to 488 If you're outside of Australia or you'd like to get this daily help uh, via email, it's your choice. Then you simply go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. That's 488 if you're in Australia or yes.metrochurch.org.au. People do this every single week. It comes to you from us, from Metro Church. It's not from a third party. You can opt out whenever you want. And every single day you will get for 30 days a scripture that's selected by our team just for you to help you begin the journey with Christ. You'll get a prayer that again is put there by our team that you can make your prayer as you pray it each day. I know I've had so many people say to me that doing that has made them feel like God Himself is speaking to them every single day. So let me give it to you again, 0488-826-392 or yes.metrochurch.org.au. I really pray you'll do this. I pray you'll trust God. Maybe you're one of those people who just thinks, you know what, I've been burned by religion. I've been burned by church or maybe you've never, ever been to a church. Start by saying yes to Jesus. Let me pray for you before Pastor Bruce comes to lead us in ministry time. It's great to have been with you again at Metro Church Online. Great to see uh, faces in the building again. Don't forget to pre-register. You need to do that for every service you want to be a part of. Uh, You can just call in as well. But I suspect that over the next few weeks, it's going to get more and more uh, just jam-packed. So pre-register if you can. Let me pray. Father, I thank You that Your great love for us knows absolutely no bounds. There isn't a person, a part of this service that has sinned so greatly, that has said things so badly, that has misstepped so hugely, that that would prevent You wanting to come into their life. I thank You, Jesus, that it's a simple yes to You that starts this journey off. I pray for them. Lord, I know right now there are people that are a part of this service and they know that You are speaking to them. They know in their heart of hearts 
that this moment is you reaching to them. And I pray, God, that this service will be the one where they say yes. This service will be the one where they say, Jesus, I need You. Lord, let them see past all the mistakes, all the things that people may have done or not done. And let them see a Jesus who loves them and died for them. We thank You for it. In the Name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this. Pastor Bruce, come lead us in ministry time, if you would. Thank you.